2: You know, we all have that one special dog hanging out on the porch. He's just a little bit of this and a little bit of that. All these things you like coming together to make one superb dog. That was exactly what we had in mind when we made this show. Welcome to All Mixed Up. Welcome, everybody, to All Mixed Up this month i'm mixing it up yet again i got the all new up and running chad reynolds in the house chad welcome to all mixed up brother i'm glad to have you on board hey
3: like always glad to be here man
2: the patrons know your debut you did an episode well you've done several episodes with me but this is your first on-air extravaganza for hounds on xp i'm glad (laughs) to have you here buddy
3: yeah yeah it was fun it was fun I'll, I'll hopefully get better at it, but it was fun so far.
2: You've wasted no time bringing in great content. That's I, I was very happy. You were extremely helpful for me this month. And guys, Chad's a beast. Uh, he got hired, and then within weeks, I, he was already churning out awesome content for me. And I was like, dude, what a guy. So this month is Chad heavy, and I'm happy about that because we've been running hard here at Houndsman XP, and we have been bringing in all kinds of stuff. You guys know that this september is going to be huge we have our one million download mark approaching soon and that's going to bring that's going to bring in uh, some lucky person to get awesome content drawn for them if you can guess the date right and then we also have our patreon drawings we also have the Redbubble store that is launching everybody this is the houndsman xp news for this month there's just too much on houndsman xp's plate So we wanted to make sure that we spent this episode just getting you guys up to speed and getting any reminders to anybody that missed anything that has been going on in our social media feeds. Thank you, Lauren. So the Redbubble store is available. You'll see uh, links on our social media uh, pages that allows you to go to the Houndsman XP official Redbubble store and put original artwork from Outer Agenda and the Houndsman XP logo on anything you want, guys. So I just want to make that clear. Uh, You can put it on mouse pads, active wear, hoodies, everything you can imagine. And the artwork that Outer Agenda is putting out is so rad. And stay tuned, guys, because there's a lot more coming. We think it, and he brings it to life with, like, awesome detail and skills. Because I don't know about you, Chad, but when I try to draw, it's like, yeah it's it's just uh, it's no good my daughter stressed. can
3: beat me right now
2: <laughs> yeah i uh i have such a good vision in my head but when hand meets paper it's like i'm drunk or something it's yeah. it's pretty embarrassing i'm with you but yeah and then uh so we got that the 1 million some lucky some portent individual is going to guess that uh that lucky date and then uh lastly you guys i wanted to talk about what am I missing, Chad? The Patreon.
3: There That's we, right. It's all, it's, all, it's all free content.
2: Yes. So for the month of September, you guys, uh, everything that we're posting on the Patreon page is public. And the reason we're doing that is because we want people to see what's going on there. We already have dozens and dozens of bonus episodes there. Tons of uh, footage and pictures behind the scenes, like of us hunting because... Although we spend a lot of time behind the mics, especially Chad this month, you guys, we hunt a lot and my season's just getting going. And so we're going to start bringing in way more rad content to the Patreon page starting, well, tomorrow. (laughs) Well, by the time this airs, check it out next Thursday and yesterday. (laughs) So uh, I just want everyone to know that we're public. Get in there, check it out and uh, if you guys haven't seen the patreon drawings on our facebook group on uh that's a every a monthly thing where we uh draw for our our patrons so you get all kinds of cool prizes and then twice a year it's a, a semi-annual drawing that's worth at least 200 dollars. and then once a year for our highest tier patrons there's a prize package worth at least 500 dollars. so i just wanted to I, you guys have heard this, I, but I want to make sure that people are getting the word out that Houndsman XP is giving back to you guys for your listenership. We we can't even be here without you guys, and we really appreciate the global hound hunting community. So that was it for Houndsman XP News. Um Chad, uh I'm gonna let you run after I do my my uh my brief talk. This month's um this month's theme is truck boxes and we asked several folks if you could build a dream rig for a specific reason what would you do and and of course in the spirit of all mixed up we uh we mixed it up a little bit the questions got varied didn't they
3: (laughs) oh yeah
2: oh yeah so uh well, why don't you, Chad, why don't you why don't you break down your uh your first segment here? Tell us, give us a brief intro about what you talked about, and uh we'll roll right into it. I don't want to keep our guests waiting too long. There's a lot of content here, so this is gonna be a long episode.
3: All right. Uh well uh, the first uh, I had on was uh Bruce Swanson. He had uh uh a seasoned, very seasoned veteran hunter for hounds, mules uh the the whole bit is a coyote hunter is a terrier man um and now he's actually getting into bird dogs a little bit so we started off by asking him specifically about the hounds and getting the hounds and the mules to the to the field you know um and uh then just kind of bled on to everything else but he's got all kinds of stuff and and he actually uh fabricates hunting rigs himself so some dog boxes back in the back in the day and Trailers and, and the, the whole the whole setup, but actually a mule box where they they load in from the back and they're on top of like a, a truck bed cab and there there's all kinds of interesting stuff in there with Bruce. Sweet. And uh, then we talked to Chris, yeah. Then we talked to Chris Powell about hounds and just hunting here and there for bear in uh, the uh, northeast region as far as the, the southwest and. Uh, just, uh, some key takeaways from him, things that he thought were super critical and stuff that he's tried before that didn't work out so well. And, uh, then, uh, just to change things up a little bit, you know, I talked to some, uh, Tyler Slayton, another Falconer, uh, and me and him tra- swap stories for different ways. We've either gotten our birds to the field or, or, uh, other, um, Falconers season Falconers that we know how they've done it. Um, So not only the logistics of getting the bird to the field, but then different rigs for hunting the bird in the field as well. So just a little bit of everything.
2: Yeah, clearly. Well, you know what? Normally we have a short intermission between the segments, but let's just run them. You gave a a great interview for a great intro for all of them. So here we go, guys. Here comes all three of Chad's awesome interviews about hauling a myriad of creatures.
3: Hi, everybody. All right. Got uh, Chad Reynolds here and I got Bruce Swanson on the line, a man of many trades and all kinds of exciting stuff to tell us about hounds, mules and the rigs to get every all of them to the woods. Um, so how you doing today, Bruce?
4: I'm awesome. How are you?
3: Oh, man, I'm doing great. Um, well, so just so that we know who we're talking to here, kind of tell us some of the background, your background, like some of the things you like to do in the woods.
4: Well, I originally started off with uh, bird dogs as a kid and growing up. And uh, after I got into my 20s and moved to the Southwest Desert, Nevada area, uh, mountain lions came on to the forefront. So I started uh, big game hounds and curs and big game hound cur crosses were my my thing. And I did that for about 25 years with a little hiatus in the middle of having some stag hounds and, and, uh, catching a lot of coyotes and, you know, a couple old timers I ran into or mule men like David Heiss from some down in New Mexico way. And.
3: Oh yeah. We know about David. Oh, Dave,
4: David is, he's the man. Yeah. And, uh, and then such guys as I, uh, partnered up with cal allen for a long time which is a big cur dog guy and oh yeah we, we've chased around a lot of country and i've done everything from uh hogs bears lions bobcats to uh, i went to british columbia and hunted lynx with doug mann from skinner creek outfitters and uh, now i'm back into the bird dogs again is that right well that sounds plenty, and you even did some terrier stuff too didn't you? Yep, I had one of the very first Jag Terriers in the country back in the 80s, and uh, she was uh, a force to be reckoned with, but she only had 20 pounds, so now I've got a Sean O'Neill truck terrier that's about 35 pounds, and uh, she's in it to win it, but has just a little bit more backside and a little more sense, and she's my uh, do-everything dog. She's my house dog, my guard dog, and She's killed coons at the house and she'll tear the back end out of a hog if you give her a chance.
3: Yeah. They, they've uh, I've seen a few of them work and they're, they're, they're a lot of fun to look at and hear about. And it, it I'm still messing with the, the ag terriers myself amongst other things, kind of, kind of like yourself. Uh, but I've, I've heard a lot of fun things about those truck terriers. Um. Well, well that no, kind of that. That brings us to the next part, you you, you know, because of that, you've got, stags and hounds and yag terriers and truck terriers and and all that uh um, and you've built you know fabricated some some hunting rigs dog boxes yourself uh I guess specifically to, to start us off um what kind of regions did you did, did you hunt at when you were you know doing the the hounds work uh with the mules or without um what kind of regions were you hunting oh,
4: all mostly southwest desert but like i said uh all the way up to british columbia so um that was a three-day drive one way um so yeah your boxes are really you know uh important you know and and you learn a lot of things on the way you know convenience is one materials another but in, in where I spent most of my time in the Southwest Desert of New Mexico, Arizona, uh, Utah, and Nevada, um, you know, you got to worry about heat more than you got to worry about anything else.
3: All right. And on that, like, what were some ways that you, you know, prevented any kind of heat injury or casualty or facilitated that?
4: Well, in my experience, you can cook a dog way quicker than you can freeze them. So, what I found is, is, every time I thought of comfort and trying to enclose them, what I ended up doing was creating more of a problem with the heat. So, what I did is I always uh, tried to every time I create a box, it was always with the intention that I could uh, have it open as much as possible. Um, a little story that goes along is August in uh, is the first bear. Opening in Arizona in the northern units or over in unit one, but I'd have to cross the Hoover Dam, and there was traffic, <laughs> and sometimes you got stopped, and it's a hundred and ten. You got seven dogs in a box, and it's hundred ten at a dead still. Um, you started worrying, so I worked with fans. I did kind of all the rest, and the bottom line that worked for me was I would keep it as open as possible. And then the last stop that I could, I'd run into the 7-Eleven there outside of uh, Kingman and throw in three bags of ice and rip the bag open and create a little swamp cooler inside there. So when I got stuck on the dam and it was 110, they were having their own little swamp cooler party with wet and cool air.
3: Yeah. And uh, a lot of, Folks don't realize that when you're on the dam and, uh, you know, asphalt or cement like that, as much of the heat's coming back up off the bottom, it is coming down from the top. So they get it they get it coming from all angles. So did you use expanded metal or bars on the sides with a flat top or what would what, you Well, you know,
4: it, it, depend, it depended on which rig I had at the time, but I, you know, I did it all. Expanded metal, the problems that I found with expanded metal is anytime where a dog could get his toenail, he's going to get his toenail stuck in it. And then you got ripped off toenails that go in there, you know? Um, So then I did perforated metal, you know, it just had holes in it and that Mm -hmm. limited it a bunch. So ultimately most of mine were just bars, you know? And then what I would do is I'd make uh, metal covers that would, you know, with thumb screws and stuff that would screw on panels for. So that way later in the year, when it got cold, when I was up hunting below zero, then I could close the box up on the sides. I gotcha. That
3: makes sense. So heat, that's always a big one. We had, we had another guest talk about an insulated top, you know, like either with foam in it or double skinned or some type of insulation on the roof. I I thought that was a really clever idea. I've always had aluminum boxes myself and that's, that's been my way of dealing with the heat and like, kind of like you mentioned ventilation as I can, as I can make happen. So, all right, that makes sense with uh,
4: aluminum. Aluminum is good as long as they ain't gotta sit on it, you know, as long as they mm-hmm. ain't gotta to touch it. You know, if they do, then you you know, I would put you know, I always had aluminum top. You know, the other thing in in ninety-nine percent of my fabrication, all that I'm I'm worried about is weight. That's yeah. the second thing. Because most of my rigs, you know, were either my off-road rigs were my Toyota's. So then you really had to watch the weight because the Toyota's notorious for being able to get everywhere but they don't hold a lot of weight Mm -hmm. you know a lot of guys like the bigger trucks i never you know i've had big trucks i've run the diesels i still got a big i got an 06 diesel that's my dog truck now but they just don't go where the old yoders can go that's right you know (laughs) and then the mule box i went i went both different directions with my mule box you know i went with i built a mule box that was uh Corrugated metal on the sides where the sides could come down, um, uh, jump rack in the back where, where it opened up. But it was as light as we could get it without, you know, because uh, I couldn't afford aluminum for that whole thing. So I mm-hmm. I did sheet metal and and it kept it as light as I possibly could. But, um, you know, the first one I built, I, I, I built it for two meals because I always seemed to have one somebody that wanted to go along or if you were guiding and you needed to take them, they didn't want to walk. So, um, that, that was uh, a huge deal having one big enough and then having it high enough above the axle. Um, so that caused weight problems swaying back and forth. So then I took it off a single wheel three quarter ton because it just scared me to death going around those mountain roads. Thinking I'm going to blow a tire and this whole thing is going to end up down in the ravine. Yeah, and then I went to a dually and put it on a, a Ford one ton dually, and that was great on the road. But as you know, duallys absolutely grinded it out in the mountains. Yeah, so it's they're <laughs> not the best there. So,
3: so break this down for us, because I'm sure myself included with some some other listeners. Uh, how how does the mule box exactly work? This isn't a trailer. This is on the actual back of the the bed of the truck, right? Correct.
4: Yeah, it's like you know, if you can envision a cab over camper, mm-hmm. made so you can put your mules in the back. Okay, and then, and then under under the under the nose piece up against the cab, I put two foot by the the width of the truck, so it was seven foot. Two foot by seven foot all the way across was a dog box, and I did double decker so I could actually haul almost 16 dogs and the mules and the and two mules and in what vehicle? And that was on my three quarter ton Dodge, that's yeah. the single axle. And then I moved it to a one ton dually.
3: That's fantastic. So, okay, so so break this down for me the uh, the mules are going to load in the back and then slide up to the front, and then they get. You know they get closed in. Your dog boxes are they accessed from the outside? You know, from, from the-, the
4: outside. Yep, from okay. Yep. And they're divided in the middle so I could put four in on, um, you know, I could put eight in on the right side or the passenger side of the truck and I could put eight because I made them double decker. And what it is, if you envision those dog boxes were built up, and then the mule's head and, and neck went over top of the dog boxes and over top of the where the cab was. Yep, that makes perfect sense. So the dog boxes were how tall again exactly? Twenty, 20 right at twenty four. So it was they were forty eight inches. up Yep, to forty
3: eight inches, and then you know yep. the mule's head would go up and over top of that in the cab. Um, oh, yep. Well, not in the cab, but I, in, in the the enclosure for the mules. Yeah, that that's not bad at all. You might even were you a fellow to throw some hay up there from the kind of pick at on the way or in transit? You no, know, I
4: I I didn't. Um, only because I always usually fed on you know before or after. I yeah. you know I'd bring up there, and the reason being is because that nose or the piece that if you if you think of a cab over camper, you know where the bed is. Yep that's where the mule's heads were. Well, when I jumped them out some, you know, a lot of times we had to stay. So that's where I slept. I throw my bedroll up there.
3: Gotcha. Gotcha. That's not, okay. So I got one more question. I, I've seen the videos and a lot of people have seen the videos about how you can get the mules to jump right in. Would they just flat foot from the ground up or did they have a step, a platform to kind of get in and, or how, well, how did that, you do it? That,
4: that was all training and, 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 uh, uh, old mule man told me he said don't don't ever ramp them. Gotcha. Because that when I first went to go they I hadn't seen guys that had built like a ramp you know and 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 uh, put the mule going up there and he goes you're gonna create yourself a headache one day because they'll slip off and then you'll never get them to go in.
3: Oh, that makes sense. So, it's not so. It's not so much about spoiling them. It's about giving them a false sense of confidence and then when they slide one hoof off, then then they think something yeah. got them or.
4: You know? yep and then you' never you'll never get them in. And what I did is I had a little a little uh, circle pen out in front of my place and I, I let the mules teach themselves. so this kind of goes back to little hound training and dog training it's, yeah I, I went out there and backed my truck up to the gate. I dug the, the trailer or the wheel portions down about two and a half feet so where the, the hitch and the bo- back end of the mule box was sitting on the ground. When I backed into it, because it was on a little bit of a hill, mm-hmm. and I'd open the gate, and then I'd go throw some sweet feed and corn in there and just leave mules out there. And pretty soon they're standing in the box. That's you right. Know? And then I'd hang feed bags in there and feed them in there. And they're walking in, walking in. And then all I did is started throwing a little dirt in there and raising it up, raising it up, mm-hmm. raising it up. And then, you know, coming out, you can get them you can get them to come out flat footed, you know, a long ways. These, those mules are athletic. Once they trust you and they know that, they, you know, they're going in for the right reasons, you know, that all you did, all I did is open the gate and pointed them towards it and they jump right in. And I had a rubber tie and tie them up inside the box because I was running two. Mm-hmm. So, um so on that, yeah. on that, when, when they, when
3: they jump up into their slot, so you'd be able to load one and then were they partitioned with the whole wall or just a little divider? Or your No, two- it was oh. the whole
4: the whole the whole back end would, would open up. So I I, I give them plenty of room to jump in so they ain't gonna hit themselves or their sides. There we go. But when I because I tie one the first one i tie it to the side and make sure I'd push his butt over and then get the other one and then he'd jump yep. in. But when you got where you were going, I'd always try to find a little ditch or a little bank to back up to
1: because we you know
4: we're, we're talking that was 40 inches yeah so jumping in and out in and the so easy part li- yep that so I, I tried to make it a little easier on my donkeys coming out sometimes we didn't do it but when i was gonna load them back in i'd back it up to into a ditch or something just to drop it another six eight inches okay so so
3: so when you are backing them out let's say you got two in there you can kind of do you can do you just reach in and unclip the lead rope and let them you know back out on their own or do you go in there? And no,
4: no, you 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 can't back them out. Not not when it's that high. They're not going to yeah. come out of their back and so there is isn't enough room for them to
3: turn around and yes. come out face yep. first. Okay, fantastic. Oh that's that's always been a curiosity, man. I'm glad I got to answer that question. I, I've been thinking about it all day. I was like, I'm finally going to learn how the heck they got these things out of there. Um So, all right, that's what I thought. I I I've gone and. Thought about it left, right, up, down, center. I'm like, how are they backing these donkeys out of there, forty inches off the ground or however far, and having them step down and then and then do it again? Yeah, I could always do it once. You <laughs> you
4: know? Know? Yeah, but, no the the the, sing, the single carriers that I've seen from a lot of the the the, the predator control guys, like um, their bit boxes and rigs. Usually, those guys do have a ramp, and mm-hmm. they they back them down that because it's a single. Yeah, and there's not a room enough room for them to turn around. Um, uh, but I built mine. You know, you still built it pretty tight. But th- you know, those donkeys. You know, I and I had I didn't have real big ones. I had 900 pounders, so mm-hmm. they they were, they could turn around in a pretty small space. Yeah, and, and we're saying donkeys.
3: Up. We are saying donkeys, but they're mules, just to sort oh, yeah, of confuse yeah. anybody. I, that's no, what no, I was talking to too, donkeys. <laughs>
4: No, nah, that's just most mule guys I can't say most. I, I call them donkeys just because <laughs> yeah. they're half donkey.
3: Yeah, that's right. All right. Well that's okay, good. I got the mule thing out of the way. I've been that's been killing me all day. I've been dying to find that out. I've just been jumping up and down until we got to that part in the in the in the talk here, you know. But the the so two of the things we got that were really important that I think everybody hits on and they all got different ways of dealing with it is the heat. Heat ventilation is key to you It is with me too um uh and then weight super important depending on the rig you're you're driving you know um is there another thing you know in your years of making them that you you just would keep in mind
4: the entire time
3: uh maybe like well, the number I, dogs you're gonna put in it or or you know your latches or
4: well i always had a dual latch system as far as latch goes because that's the first thing that's gonna open you know, and whether like when I built my dog boxes, I'd build them. So if the door flung open for the most part, then there was the tailgate would keep it closed. Yeah. So you could, you couldn't have an accident when I had them on the sides on the, on my flatbeds where they come out, I'd always have a two latch system. So if one latch failed or if I forgot to do it. And then the other thing is, is you build them. So you make, you know, the doors open, uh, You know, so if you're going down the freeway and the wind's blowing, they open to the rear of the truck. So that way, if if they happen to pop open down the freeway, the wind's going to blow them shut, not blow them open.
3: Okay, I like that. That's something I've never even thought about. You know, they they might not, they might be unlatched for 100 miles of driving and not even know it because the wind's (laughs) holding it down. As opposed to if it opens into the wind, it'll fire. Heck, the wind might tear it off of there going down the highway. That's that. There we go. See, that's. That's what this, That's what we're doing here. Yeah. Now I got something. I'm taking notes over here. That's fantastic. What yep, kind of double the, latches?
4: Oh, uh, oh, you know, different ones. Sometimes just a little thumb drop, you know, and then you do it so it drops down, so the gravity holds it in, you know, in the bottom of the door. And then other ones, I always like having, you know, kind of a a, a swivel set to where it pulls in there, and then you put a clip on it, so that way, you know, there's really it, it's really hard not to. You know, do it right. Um, so,
2: I just wanted to add a brief amendment here, you guys. This episode isn't even close to done, but for the sake of all mixed ups time, we're gonna move this to the Patreon page and keep it on going with Coyote Dogs and Pointers. So, head on over to the Patreon page and check it out, you guys. All content in September is public. Hope to see you there.
3: All right, uh, I got Chad Reynolds here. I'm talking to uh, creator of Houndsman XP, Chris Powell. Uh, how you doing
1: today, man? Man, I'm doing good. We're uh, over here in Virginia running some bears this week, so getting sad. after it, putting some dogs on the ground and putting some bears in the air. Having some luck? Yeah, yeah. We uh, we we saw saw three, caught two of them yesterday, and we were back to the truck by ten o'clock in the morning. So that's a pretty good day.
3: Yeah, that'll <laughs> that'll
1: do. We, yeah, we've been on bears every day. We got our butts smoked today. Had a little hundred and ten pound runner and and uh, just couldn't get him caught. He's he's still out there running around.
3: Yeah, the sour days just make the sweet days sweeter though. So you got yeah. to lose it yeah.
1: That's right.
3: Well, shoot. All right. Um, I guess the uh, let's get into it. The uh, what we're talking about today is a uh, uh, dream hunting rigs. That's to include you know dog boxes, hunting truck, and trailering. If anything you have to share. I guess just so that everybody kind of knows what, you know, what your environment is, uh, what regions do you hunt your main targeted game, I guess. And then I can't wait to hear what you have to tell us.
1: Oh, my gosh. See, that's a trick question, Chad, because I'm like, I need a rig that I can hunt coons in Indiana. I can hunt bear in here. I can hunt hogs in Louisiana or Texas. I can cat hunt out west. And uh, uh, yeah, I've been through a lot of that stuff. So that's where I'm at. But mainly, I'm looking at you know colder temperature type areas. Not a lot of intense heat. I don't go to places it's hot in the summertime because I don't like it. Unless it's southwest with no humidity, and then it's fine.
3: Yep, I hear you. Um. So uh. So like a multi box is you know a a multi setup rig, or do you specialize with one thing and then kind of get the other stuff to fit, or are you actually looking for something that should work universally.
1: You know, one of those dog box, the dog box question, I think everybody, um, everybody has designed that dream box in their mind, had it built. And then two years later, they thought, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Or man, I wish I would have changed this one thing. It's a tough thing. And I think uh, as we, or, or for my sake, you know, it's like, man, this is going to work great. Then you get out West and, it's like, wow, well, that didn't work so great, and, you know, when I first started hunting out west, I was just using my regular uh, coon hunting box that I used back here. Uh, I had four grown hounds in a, that w- pretty much lived off of the truck for a month, a month and a half when I was out west, the first big trip I took out there, and I always wanted a better box and a, a more set-up box and things like that, but I, I just procrastinated and didn't get the the build made and stuff like that. But so when, when I started looking for a box that is multi-purpose for me, then I guess we'll start with the dog box. Yeah. Um, the dog box that I had had built for me was one that could be multifunctional. Um, you've got, when you're going on long trips, you've always got um, storage issue, gear issues, things like that. Uh You could pull a trailer everywhere you went, but a lot of the mountain roads don't, you know, where are you going to turn that thing around? So um, I was looking for something that was multifunctional. So I went with a slide in from Old South, designed it. Um, It's a slide in box. I can put six hounds on each side if I need to. I'm normally only only packing four. So, uh, but the reason I wanted a bigger box is a lot of times when you're bear hunting in the east here, you know, you, you might be picking somebody else's dogs up, and you can put all your dogs on one side and keep their dogs on the other side. And I am more comfortable with that uh, setup because I don't care how well do- your dogs get along. When you jam them all into a box together, the best way to avoid avoid problems is never never create them. So that's correct. Uh, I agree. Yeah. Man. So so for me, uh, and even if the box the box is full. And the weather permits, I've picked up as many as, as um, had 12 hounds on my on my rig before. And I've got them the, the other hounds tied on so, on top, you know, um, and bring them back. So my box is a slide in. It's a full bed. It's got a, a rig platform. And it's got a storage box in, that makes up the front rail of the rig platform. It's not ideal, uh, but it's multifunctional for me. It's insul- The top's insulated. Um, it's got full slide outs down the side and it's got, um, one, one inch tubing down the side for the ventilation. Okay. I can take expanded metal and put in there and, uh, um, you know, for, for hot temperatures and things like that, or I can put the solid plates in it where, uh, it's totally protected. But with the, with the bars, I don't do. I, I haven't been doing the the rig holes or the head holes on the dog box. I believe that uh, that's a lot of our problems with these Garmin collars is dogs dragging their heads in and out of those rig holes. Yeah, and that's an expensive deal, man. I mean, you are looking at just repairs at least one hundred and twenty five dollars. A yeah. new collar's four hundred bucks. So I've got away from the head holes. I don't really know that they're in, it fits my style. Heath and I are talking about this on a, we just recently talked about this on a podcast about behavior in the box and things like that. And that's a whole different podcast. and you can listen to that one too. But, but, um, for, I've got a certain reason why I don't want dogs barking in the box. If they're going to open and strike, I want them on the rig. So, uh, I don't do head holes. Dogs can rig out of the box without being on the rig you know they're they're capable of doing that and most of the time the tracks that you really want to turn loose on if they can't rig them out of the box then um you're gonna have a rough time catching that that game anyway so i gotcha
3: so how big are your holes that yeah. you see on the side just far enough to stick their nose out or or is it a yeah, they're, little they're, mesh
1: they're probably they're probably they're probably two inches the bars are two inches apart okay so Uh, the, the, the expanded metal, I kind of got things mixed up there when I had a box that had rig holes on it. When I'm going down the, down the interstate, then I had expanded metal that I would push in there, you know, so you still get all that airflow Mm in hot temperatures. Uh, but you didn't have a bunch of dogs sticking their head out the, out the side pass and, you know, running 70 miles an hour down the, that wears a dog out. Uh, it's hard on them. They get bugs, debris, everything else. I had a lot of eye problems with, uh, you know, on long trips with with rig holes in the side. Um, Just because of the debris and stuff, it seems like I was going through erythromycin like crazy. on, You know, and treating those eyes and and rinsing them and stuff because they'd always have goopy eyes. It's just from road dust. So when I'm traveling, when I was traveling with a rig hole box, then I had to expand a metal that would actually slide in on tracks and close that off okay in the hot temperatures yeah
3: i I like that i kind of have the same thing my my dog box on the side i i got smaller holes than i like now and the little panel that goes over top of it is just it slides left and right so that two Mm -hmm. you know the main box has a hole big enough to stick their head through and then the panel on the outside has another hole and it has a little compression handle so that if you know sometimes i'll have pups in there that could even get through the hole so i could slide the window over so that it's only halfway and then lock it down and i thought that's that was kind of a neat little neat little add on you know um but the mesh i like your idea with the mesh that's that's pretty neat
1: yeah you just and and so on my old south when i had that box built the panels that go on top that slide all the way full length into the thing yeah i actually had them split halfway so that i can pull half of that panel out and then wait you're, you're getting all the ventilation you want And I also put a a second track underneath in the lower half of the box, so they slide right in there, and then they just have retaining pins that go through the frame, so I can pull a full panel out, uh, both both sections of a full panel, open it all the way up, or I can just pull half of it out, and then uh, to store it, instead of throwing it in the bed, you know, beside the box or whatever, slides in its own track underneath. Some uh, some deal breakers for me on dog boxes is the old T handle, uh, type, type handles that stick out. You know, the old, your grandpa had that camper. well, you had camper shell on the truck and it's at a handle.
3: Yeah. You know It that right.
1: sticks out. I like the, uh, the folding T handles that are recessed into the doors. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are secure. A dog can't get them open because once those handles are pushed in, then the handle won't turn. So it's, yeah. I've had, I've had some of those T handle boxes, and uh, a dog will learn to manipulate that if you don't remember to put your tailgate up and then you've got a dog, you get back to the truck and it's like, where's the dog? And now you're tracking dogs and chasing dogs. So
3: Yeah. And it, when it recesses in, like you're saying, um, I've, I've, I've had some boxes like that. And when they, when they fold mm-hmm. over and then fold down, they aren't going to rattle loose on a bumpy road either. I find some of those exactly. on the outside, they can just rattle open in time. You know, if, yeah. you're, if you're on a really hard road, but if they press yeah. down in, like you're saying they're, they're less inclined to at least that's for right.
1: sure. The other deal breaker for me is an uninsulated top on the dog box. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of heat that that, that metal is absorbing on top of that box and a good insulated top on that thing. It's basically like them being in a shade tree. If you've got plenty of ventilation on that thing, but th- lack of ventilation and lack of top insulation are, um, deal breakers for me. I've, I actually, a couple of years ago, I was at a large event and, um, a guy lost seven, seven dogs in a dog box and he thought somebody had poisoned him. And when I looked at his dog box, I knew what happened. They just, they'd asphyxiated in that dog box. It wasn't hot out. It was surprising that it happened, but, um, it was so tight. The dogs were wet. He put them in there after, um, they they'd done some work, and uh, he lost them. That's a, lost them all.
3: That's a tough way to go, too. Um,
1: yeah, yeah.
3: Um, that's no good. So I'm hearing I'm hearing ventilation, and that's key. That can't be pushed enough. You know, insulated top, and uh, yep. and, and and secure latches. I guess you know yep. you, you know some big takeaways. And then big enough, big enough that, you know, you possibly, especially I like running with company too. I, I like to go by myself, but I really enjoy having having a buddy with me with his own dogs. So a uh, big enough dog box that you could probably stuff all of yours in one side to keep your buddy's obnoxious tree fighting dog Yeah, off of yours. That's right. right. <laughs> that's
1: right. Yeah. You know, um, they're the ones that always have the tree fighters. It's never yours. You and know? Never, My dogs they, have they,
3: never done a single thing wrong in their life. I swear.
1: That's right. Yeah. Um, they're Like our kids. If you growling in the box, you always look at your buddy and say, Hey, you need to do something about that.
3: Right. <laughs> so you like a slide in. Um now is that with a bottom? Do you like a bottom in your box, an actual enclosed box?
1: I did I did make this one with a bottom on it. The the box that I have on my side by side does not have a bottom in it. Mm-hmm. Um, if if I had a if I had a box that was very uh, open and susceptible to weather and rain and different things like that. I would probably opt away from the bottom. However, the way old South builds their box, uh, they just use strip welds down there. So they drain anyway. Yes. So I can get away with the bottom in this with, with, with the bottom in this box and get plenty of drainage out of it.
3: Okay. I like that a lot. Uh, historically, I've always had boxes without a bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, back when I was, you know, growing up hog hunting, I always had them without a bottom because you know, the dogs would Wet come dogs. and go and yeah. you always swapped them out and it made it real easy to clean out. You know, you, you could bet. throw a hose in there and it would wash out real easy. Yeah. But th- those types of boxes had to be secure to the mm-hmm. to the bed of the truck or you'd stomp toes. And I've yeah. had that happen where the yeah. bolts broke and it stomped on toes. And the new one I have now is isn't it like you're saying, an enclosed box and I had bolts break on that and act right now. It's rattling around in the back of my box and it makes it a little noisy and maybe a little less comfortable for the dogs, but I don't have to worry about toes. And that's really nice. They don't, toes aren't going to get pinched, yeah. stuck, anything, you know?
1: So, yeah, you go hit a bump and the whole box comes up. That's a problem. And even my slide in box. Uh, so, my over the rail box, what I used on those were those C clamps that you use on camper shells. That's right. And attach them right to the top rail. You can access them through the through the ventilation holes or the rear holes are real easy to put in and out. Mm-hmm. And then on this box, I actually put tie downs on the outside of the box, and I use uh, uh, turnbuckles. You know, double hook yeah. turnbuckles, and just crank those dudes down, and that box stays right where it's supposed to be.
3: Yeah, I've seen those with the old South system. Those look nice. They they they're not moving an inch, and and they're nice and secure. You know, and
1: that's who made those, right? That's the box. Yeah, that's who's box, you know, I'm running an old South box in there right now.
3: That's a pretty neat system.
1: Yep, yep. Uh,
3: So, well, all right. uh, uh, We got your your pros and, and, you know, I guess that kind of leads into some of the things, your cons, some of the things you don't like is the unsecure latches and and heat and ventilation. Uh, Is there any, is there any, any, little fancy bells and whistles. Like if I gave you a hundred thousand dollars right now, what would you add to your box? What little, if I had a hundred thousand,
1: okay. If I had a hundred thousand dollars, this is what I would build. I would build, I would buy a 20, 2021 or older Toyota Tundra. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't like the new, the new Tundras. Um, I love my Tundra. It does great in the mountains. Um, and and it would be be being pulled behind the tundra would probably be a Tacoma. Oh, no, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, I love Tacomas too. I've hunted out of both. This this uh-huh. tundra has been very nice to me. You know, it's been very good to me, and I like it. Mm-hmm. But I would strip the bed off of it and put a flat bed on it. Yeah. And then and then from there, what I would do is all of my, uh, I would have doors down the side over the over the over the wheels where your bedsides would be individual doors and each each there would be compartments all the way down the side and each compartment would have a bar door with a with a um, slide in that I could close it off and and open up a, a a rig hole or a head hole if if I wanted to do that mm-hmm. those are slick boxes man when you when you start thinking about that so you got that box mounted on that it would have a rig rail on the top I'd probably put a storage box in front of the rig rail probably flush okay. so that I've still got, you know, I've got a, a good good storage spot there. And um, then I'd put the rig rail on top so I could still haul coolers and different things on top of that. But each individual hole like that, I saw this set up at uh, APA Breed Day several years ago. A guy had a Toyota Tacoma, and uh, he could select which dog he wanted. There was no fighting at the back of the box. I wasn't yeah. telling anybody to get back. If you wanted your old dog, and you want to put your rig dog on top. You didn't have to try to keep four young dogs back. You just pull the dog out. If you want to drop a drop a couple of young dogs or feed a couple of young dogs into the race, you just open their individual doors and boom, there they are. It was slick.
3: That sounds nice. It, it yeah. You see the bird dog guys with those, you know, and 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 their dogs couldn't be. Oh, well, most most of the ones I've dealt with at least couldn't be all be crammed in on top of each other. Um, yeah. but yeah, I've, I've always wanted something like that myself. You just need enough. You know, I like to be able to carry at least eight personally, yeah. you know, even if I don't yeah. bring eight, you know? Well,
1: but, if you had a, if you had a full site, uh, well, I th- I saw a box today mounted on a Ranger flatbed. It was the same type of box. Um, it was an older box, but it had individual sides mounted on a flatbed and, uh, the guy could simply select which dogs he wanted out of the side. Yeah. And he was hauling, had four holes on each side.
3: That's pretty neat that's pretty yep. neat and then you could go crazy with what type of door guillotine doors left to right opening or
1: yeah the little, oh I mean, yeah you can see
3: the little bat wing doors that are pretty neat too you know? yeah yeah uh, but all right well i think you got us squared away is there anything else that uh you think we might have missed that you wanted to get out did there you want
1: to talk did you want to talk about trucks yeah, yeah, definitely trucks or the trailering.
3: Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, you you prefer a Titan, um, but you'll stand a Tacoma. You said
1: no, not a Titan, a Tundra.
3: Tundra, my mistake. Yeah, my mistake. Yeah, I'm not okay. driving
1: any Nissan, John. Yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> one of my guys has a no. as a, a Titan. That's what I was thinking.
1: Yeah, no, I I've, I've first Tundra I've had. Um, it'll take a real beating. I, the thing I really like about that Tundra, uh, it's a. TRD, uh, off-road edition. Uh And, um, so the console center console, the gear shifts in the center. And when I put that thing down and drive, I can push that gear shift to the left and put it in sport mode. So when I'm in the mountains and, uh, I'm crawling around in the mountains, I can shift it up and down. I can keep it in low. It shifts real easy. I mean, it's just, it's a selector deal. You just bump it and you push it push it to second gear, you pull it down in first gear mm-hmm. and, uh, saves on brakes, saves on, uh, uh, you get the compression breaking off the engine. You can really creep and you can just bump it up. And when you hit the flat spots and, and it'll still pull good, even in third gear up a pretty good grade, but, uh, I've been, I've been impressed with this Tundra. It's a little bit big, um, on some of these tight mountain roads and stuff. Um, and I'm good when I'm driving. But I don't like riding with people. I don't trust other people to drive me with with big drop offs and stuff
3: <laughs> you and <me> both.
1: <laughs> yeah, so you know my buddy Larry Anderson up there he knows he know he he thought I was chicken I was like, I'm not afraid of afraid of the road. I'm afraid of you driving on this road mm-hmm. <laughs> you know uh but it's it's a little bit big, and it's not as handy as a tundra or as a Tacoma but man that's a that's a pretty good truck. I had a a 17 Chevy that, that left me stranded and let me down and, and, uh, did some research and come to find out that they already know that there's a torque converter problem in those, in those transmissions and it blew apart, you know, on me coming back from Montana. And so I thought, well, I've been wanting to get a Tundra for a while. So I went and bought one. Tundra.
3: Tundra. Yeah. you yep. know, And that always a good rig. I'm a, I'm a Tacoma man myself. Uh,
1: I love uh, those so, trucks
3: yeah it, worst comes to worse you, you 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 knock the bumper in you can get out and straighten it back out with your hands you know like, that's, <laughs> that's something i found my little tacoma
1: uh, i mean i my buddy evan workman uh, he's he's got a lot he does a lot of farm work and different stuff and uh he could he could have a side-by-side if he wanted one but he just keeps it tacoma and i've seen him drive that thing in places that um would make me nervous to drive my side by side. I mean, he, and he just, they're handy. They're just so daggone handy. If I, if I had everything, I would have a Tundra a Tacoma and I'd have a three quarter ton truck, mm-hmm. but we're not, I don't have that ability to do that.
3: Yeah. Out here I have a, you know, a you know I have four wheeler that I don't really hunt much off of. I have the side by side that I do some, I do some stuff when I'm falling down to the canyons. Um, but I'm finding that I just prefer because I don't really like the box setup I have on my side by side as much, but I'm finding that my Tacoma is really working out for me really nice. As long as once I got past the point of no return where I did not care anymore <laughs> yeah. about what happened to it it, it, it like a whole new world opened up for me. You know what? Once yeah. I did not, I did not mind anymore. I just, I know there's a tree behind me. I'll back up until I feel it and then I'll go forward, you know, but
1: uh and, that, that same that same buddy of mine evan workman over in west virginia he told me he's like chris you either gotta love your truck or you gotta love your dogs yeah can't do both
3: <laughs> yeah yeah all right well i agree with that well that brings us to the next thing trailering then you know um you know with that chandra, you definitely could pull behind i guess if you're mm-hmm. not doing the side-by-sides there might not be much to trailer for you but do you have yeah. anything, any opinions any any strong thoughts on that
1: by a tandem, by a tandem trailer, a tandem, tandem axle. axle trailer. I was coming back from, uh, it was the same trip. I mean, this was a trip from hell coming back from Montana. Uh, and I was coming back in late October. I came down and went through, uh, Jackson, Wyoming, dropped down to rock Springs, Wyoming. And then I was trying to avoid a snowstorm up on 90 and hit an ice storm on 80 and 80 is a death trap anyway. And, um, uh, so we're in a, they had the interstate shut down and pulled off and uh, got cold that night. Stayed in a motel, waited for him to open it up, started the next day. And as we're creeping along on an ice, a sheet of ice on 80, I heard something. It was like clunk, clunk, clunk. I look in my mirror, my wheel on my trailer, I've got a single axle trailer, mind mm-hmm. you. And that wheel is just sitting there wobbling back and forth. I'd lost some lug nuts somewhere. Oh. <laughs> and now, now I'm wallering out the holes in the wheel. So the wheels ruined. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So luckily I had a spare on the trailer, but the thing that I didn't have were the lugs. I'd sheared off some lugs. So I had to unhook on the side of 80 in a blizzard on a, in, after an ice storm. And I had to go find lugs to replace in those wheels. I had the tools to do it. I just didn't have the lugs. And, uh, so I had to leave all my junk sitting on the side of Interstate 80. I was surprised I didn't get back and a semi had not scattered that junk all over the <laughs> side of the road out there, man. Uh, so buy a tan trailer.
3: And then it, you get a freebie then. If you lose the wheel, you got three more. You're all right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And get that thing off the road and get it to a safe place because I was not in one, I can tell you that.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well... Yeah that that about wraps us up there. Um I can't think of any other questions I have. Uh you kind of hit on everything. Those are ventilation's really important no matter where you are if it's hot out, you know, you want to keep the dogs cool and the more ventilation you have the better they can smell.
1: The I think is. I think uh, you know a hard working dog chat even even uh, you know 40 to 60 degrees still needs ventilation their their cooling system doesn't work like ours does they need to be able to get that fresh air and ventilation you get you get four dogs in a box and they're in there panting. you're producing a lot of carbon monoxide and if they don't have good ventilation i don't care what it is you're running a risk
3: yeah yeah and i've lost more dogs to heat than anything else and i haven't lost a lot of dogs don't get me wrong but between, you know, hogs and bear and yeah. lion and rattlesnakes and car accident, everything. Heat has been left its mark more than anything. So I'm, I'm right. Yeah, there I agree.
1: It's a big risk. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks for thanks for having me on and let me share my thoughts with you. Well, and thanks for uh, sharing with us. I love. I'm a ge- I'm a gear freak. So you know, anytime I'm out and I see something pretty slick, I'll look it over and and uh then i'm always planning how i could change my current setup so there's always some good there's always some great ideas out there
3: yeah we there's you know we get into new things or we see something else and we add it and then it changes something else so yeah it's it's always a work in progress
1: and yep for sure for sure uh,
3: but yeah thanks thanks for everything you shared with us i sure do appreciate it and uh you bet uh well hopefully we'll talk to you soon huh
1: you know take care
2: How many times do you hound doggers catch yourself thinking about an awesome hunt you had or retelling this great story with family and friends around the dinner table and all you have to remember that moment is some terrible cell phone picture or worse, no picture at all. Well, Houndsman XP has partnered with Rough Cut Company to help solve your problem and make beautiful pieces of art to remember for all time your experiences in the field. Roughcut Company is an American owned and American made business in Wisconsin that specializes in custom, unique photo engravings on hardwood that are framed to any picture you want. They also do customizable antler dog chews and even beautiful, unique antler rings from their own red deer in Wisconsin. Roughcut Company can do pretty much anything you ask their customer service is second to none. Give them a look at roughcutcompany.com and when you check out, make sure you check out with HXP 10% off to get a discount on your final purchase. Check them out you guys and support people that support Houndsmen and help keep us in the field and remembering those times forever.
3: All right, today we're gonna talk about uh, hunting rigs for for falcons and hawks and, and and the birds of falconry. I have Tyler Slayton with us today. Uh, he's done a few podcasts, is pretty used to talking about the sport. Um, we're going to review just the different ways that we, you know, get these birds to the field, hunt around with them. Um, so transportation and just, just the logistics of it. Um, Tyler's been hunting with falcons for about uh, Ten plus years, and he's had a bunch of different birds. Like what, what, what all, what all types of raptors have you hunted with, man? Um,
0: uh, mostly Harris hawks, red tails, primarily goshawks. I had a good stint with kestrels. I did a brief stint with large falcons, hybrids, um, merlins. That's
3: pretty much it. Pretty much, yeah. That's a lot of stuff, man. Um, yeah. So you've hit pretty much everything in there. The you know. Like your Harris hawks and red tails and your falcons and your cypeters, so that's just no eagles. No eagles. No eagles. Not cool. Man. Yeah, that's we'll work on that one. <laughs> so, so I guess uh, you know, like we've we've talked in some of the other segments about you know just, just different ways to get the hounds to the field and optimize their their ability to you know put game on the tailgate or up the tree, and uh, uh, that's that's what we're after here. Um, so I know there's a bunch of different ways I've dealt with a bunch of different ways with my birds as well. Um, I guess first thing we talk about is the hood, isn't it? I mean, just, you know, the, the actual hood, uh, some people call it a hat or a helmet, but it's the, the sleeve that goes over the bird's head and like blocks out the light, and like makes it so you can transport them around. Uh, uh, did you do that? I know you did that with your kestrel, didn't you?
0: Yeah, my kestrels hooded. Um, they hooded, or I had a magnetic perch that I mounted to the dashboard, and they would ride around on the dashboard underneath the mirror, and uh, they'd cause a lot of second looks at red lights.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, that's uh, gosh. See, I'm we we just thought of that. That's that's really neat. So that was like, um, that wasn't really a a block perch, was it? That was kind of like a
0: no. It was uh, two pieces of PVC pipe mounted to like a. Heavy duty magnet that I had the other end of the other receiving piece of the magnet on the dash so I could take it on and off. That's pretty cool. So
3: you'd you'd put, you know, your Kestrel was it? Was it Debo is it in this little tiny Kestrel, right? This like 80 gram bird at the name of Debo. Um, so you'd put Debo on the uh, up there with the hood on to get him basically to the place where you wanted to begin hunting.
0: Yeah, to and from, and then it it helped with weight control. I mean, they're such little birds that, um, their metabolism slows
3: down when they're hooded. Right. So I just want to paint this picture. So Tyler's in his hunting truck with a little, a tiny little bird on a perch on his dashboard with a, with a, with a hood on its head. And you just cruise through the gas station and, uh, McDonald's drive through or whatever with a little bird on your dashboard.
0: Yeah. Especially St. Louis where, uh, Folks don't really, I don't really interact with wildlife, so they'd they'd see a living animal in your truck and freak out,
3: right? <laughs> so then, when you when you'd actually hunt them, did you hunt them off the same perch just without the hood, like there on your dashboard, or did you carry them on the glove? Well, it depends. If he was like, if he was a little
0: hot, he wouldn't he wouldn't stay there. He would fly into the window and try to like get out really fast and just try to botch slips so i would hold his jesses and keep him on my left hand and drive with my right mm-hmm. um, but if he was if he had already caught a few that day he would calm down and he'd ride it better and then you could roll down the
3: window when you needed okay so if his weight was a little high he wasn't as compliant or tolerant of his situation and and then he he'd start the hunt when you weren't ready for it or maybe get in the back of the truck is what you're saying he you just yeah, he Not would, be in the right place at the right time? Yeah, he would
0: fly circles around the truck trying to get to birds before optimal time.
3: Gotcha. Gotcha. And then, you know, you lower your window, and then he's sitting on the glove, let's say. Let's say he was a little, a little anxious, so you'd have him ride on the glove. And then as you got, you know, to the right distance, you'd wing him out the window going, how fast would you guys be going?
0: Um, uh, he would leave the window anywhere from 30 to 60. If you started going over 60 <laughs> with a crosswind, uh, he'd go into the stratosphere. Um, yeah, he seemed to like 45 the most. That's pretty cool. So this is a
3: tiny bird, you know, like smaller than a
0: crow. About the size of a pack of cigarettes with legs. There you go.
3: Yeah. Or like, like, like the starlings. Yes, yeah. Just about starling size or slightly bigger? Gram for gram. Okay. All right and then that that was actually your your main quarry with that bird too, like you know the starlings and and uh I know he's caught, yeah,
0: he's caught all this stuff,
3: yeah but the goal is starlings. starlings, so. yeah, um so you you're cruising down the road, he's on the gloves, here comes a a setup where the bird's sitting just off the road in a good position, and you're going like forty five miles an hour, and you flick him out the window. And then explain that, break that down for us, and then we'll get back to the rigs. I'm yes. really interested, but like, so, break that down. How's that work? So you'd roll
0: down the window, and he'd tuck his wings like a little torpedo and lawn dart him. And usually starlings would wait for the last second to kind of juke and jive, and uh, that's when he would open his wings and his tail and start to – that's where all the maneuvering happens, that last, like, two feet. But generally it was, like, a 40-yard lawn dart until that last two feet. That's uh <laughs> and he's going like forty five fifty, so he yeah. was, he was cooking.
3: And then how many would you catch a day
0: with him? Anywhere from a, a slow day was like three, a good day was ten, and then legendary days were like thirteen to
3: fifteen. That's yeah, that's really cool. And these are of course invasive species, so you could hunt them.
0: No season, no yeah.
3: year round and as much as you want, no bad climate. Uh, that's that's pretty cool. But all right, back to the topic, the hood, the hood. And then that that shelf perch, that little perch that you had up on your dashboard. Um, that's how you got him around. But like, let's stick with the hood for a minute. I know. I mean, there's a lot of people that live and die by a hood. and There's other people that don't want anything to do with it, you know, the traditional hoods. Um, I know it's real big with long wingers. You know, I know with my Falcon, you know, I transport her to and from the field. You know, with a hood on, but she'd just be in the passenger seat on like a what we call black a block perch. It was something a little shelf with a diameter about the size of like a a cantaloupe, you know, about that size. Um, but he just sit in the in the on that perch in the passenger seat and it had like a little I don't know, like a like a round kitty litter box that was underneath it. So if you ever had to mute or, you know, poop, it would go into that and uh, not onto my truck and but then once we started hunting, I, the hood would come off and we, we'd go, you know, but I didn't actually hunt from any of that. But the the, the hood works for me as well. Um, I believe most of your other birds, did you just use like the hawk boxes with them or?
0: Yeah, goshawks. I transported in hawk boxes, Harris hawks, I've. I've had some that hood and ride on a cage like a falcon, and then I've had others that just like their box. They, right. you know, well, what is, explain the hawk box. So, like break that down for us real quick. What? It's essentially it's like a dog box with a perch through the middle of it. Um, they're just different dimensions. They're they're tall and skinny, whereas a dog box is kind of more rectangular. Right.
3: Okay. So that's, and that's just something you, you open the door and then you got your bird on the glove and you want to transport them without them. It's got louvered vents to keep it dark. There you go. Okay. Yeah. So we don't want to poop it all over the car, you know, so you can put them in there and he'll, you know, they'll empty out in the, in, in that box on some like newspaper or something on the bottom, but you can kind of stuff them in there and that's what you're saying, either with or without the hood. And what are the reasonings for that? You know, it's,
0: it's simpler i mean you can train them to fly into it it's you can bring it in and out of the vehicle um birds are a hundred times more susceptible to heat than dogs are like they can't just they're not going to just chill out in an aluminum dog box in the bed there they need to come into the hotel with you they need to go into your buddy's house with you they you don't you don't park anywhere not in the shade
3: gotcha and uh all right so you could just you know open up the hawk box, and some birds will just fly right in there, turn around, and you close the door and it's more or less dark in there, you're saying right it yeah it's it's essentially dark, okay, and then others you'll hood you could even put the actual hood on the bird's head and then like ease him into the perch inside the the box um and I've even seen some without the doors on it, so it's just like two bookends, you know, so you could put the actual hood on the bird's head, but because he's He's got the hood on. He can't see. He's not going to fly around the the vehicle. But you could just set him on the, you know, on the perch in a box without without the front. That just keeps stuff in your truck from falling on him. If, yeah, you know, I think like, I,
0: I've got one of those. They called it like the mute shoot. I think, that I think <laughs> Todd Coleman made them. I had one for a red tail.
3: And that's kind of a a halfway a fifty fifty version. It's a box with the sides missing, essentially. Mm-hmm. And that just keeps them pointed in the right direction so when they when they mute. Alright, well what before we go any further, uh, break that down because I've heard mute, slice all these, like, that. that's one of the main reasons for these transportation devices to keep you know, because unlike a dog, you can teach it to go before or after uh, the birds kind of just, they go when they go. Um, well, technically it's falcons mute and hawks slice so. Okay, alright, is there
0: anything different? Uh, most falcons Down directly underneath them, whereas hawks shoot it in a thin line behind them. So, like goshawks, uh, my goshawk would shit six feet in a straight line. It was (laughs) not something you would let loose in your vehicle. (laughs) So, they could be in the back seat and it could hit the windshield. He could be against the wall and shit on the ceiling. Yeah, yeah, that's
3: (laughs) yeah, that's that's pretty funny. It's not something you just let rip in your car. Right, and there's there, there's reasonings for that, right? I mean, because falcons are... It all comes down to where they nest. Yeah, so the falcons are up on a cliff face, right? You know, hanging off the side of this giant stone a few hundred feet in the air. Yeah. And they yeah. just kind of have to back their butt up to the edge, right? They, they walk to the edge and they crap off the cliff, whereas like a
0: goshawk lives in a very tall pine bow nest in a pine tree. So they have to shit up and out over the lip of the nest so that they're not living in their own feces. They're not like pigeons.
3: They they like a clean environment. Okay. So they're, they're fired. They're, you know, not just firing it straight out, like you say. So they actually want a good, like an arc. They want it to go up over the tree branches and then out. And then who cares what happens over there or just who happens that, to be walking think by. think of the trajectory of a field goal being kicked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, well, it's, okay, so there we go. Now that we have this, this beautiful picture painted in everybody's mind, that uh, that's that's one of the reasons we do different types of setups. You know, like if it's outside, you could just put a – You would uh, never see three gosh in the
0: backseat of a truck with hoods on. It, that vehicle would be toxic waste by the end of the week.
3: Right. <laughs> and if you're outside, who cares? But if you're in the vehicle, you kind of need a way of containing that, you know, so – so that's one of the main reasons for the box is it keeps the bird there and not flapping around the vehicle when you're in you yeah know, downtown like, traffic or something, right? Whereas like my Giroplo, you could put a napkin under it. It's all of it would be contained on that napkin. Yeah. all right, because that's a that's a falcon. That's a that's yeah. a long wing, you know. It's a hybrid. Yeah, so they're they're gonna they're gonna mute and then it's like just dropping it straight down. Okay. Um so I mean that's that's basically why I've always used a hawk box, right? I mean, you keep the bird contained, relatively calm. If they get upset, at least they're in the box. They're not landing on your head in the vehicle while you're driving through, you know, traffic or anything. So, should anything go wrong, they're in the box, the poops in the box, the birds in the box. They really can't get into too much trouble in there. Yeah, other than feather damage occasionally, but right. Um, yeah. I know there's sometimes they'll make the perches to where the bird can't go around the little perch they're on because they could tie their leash up in it. Yeah, and I don't – yeah, I don't even – with my goshawks,
0: I didn't even keep a leash on in the box.
3: Okay, so they just had um, – Before I went
0: anywhere, I put telemetry on the bird and take its leash off, and my bird was ready to go, but there was no leash.
3: Gotcha. They just had the jesses, which are the tiny little strings people see hanging off the bird's anklets. You know, they have little anklets around their cuff, around their – their legs down at the bottom by the feet, and they have like short little strings on either side. They call them jesses, so that way you have something to grab a hold of, Um, just like a dog collar, I guess. Um, All right, so we got the regular hood, and we could talk all day about just the regular hoods. There's all kinds of different styles. There's some of them that you could buy for like 50 of them for a buck a pop from the Middle East, and then there's others that are thousands of dollars, aren't
0: they? I mean, yeah, like, like the collector's ones with made with sage grouse feathers and badger hair and all sorts of fancy stuff there's ones with paintings on the sides of them
3: yeah they uh
0: i've got that one with it's got sharp tail sage grouse and uh prairie chicken feathers on it
3: do they actually have a name for those where you start to make them out of catches that you've made with the bird or i don't don't know if there is a name i don't know yeah neither. Mm -hmm. um um, but then you know, so you can okay, so with the hoods you can get like the factory made assembly line type stuff that's it's pretty good. And there's uh you can get custom ones too, right? I mean um yeah, I've had ones with like yellow stingray panels with
0: made with squirrel hair that have squirrels that have caught on. Them. I've had what else? I've had them made with ducks I've caught.
3: And that you know, that's kind of unique because it's not like you exactly stopped by like a PetSmart or a Petco, and no, you got to know another falconer that makes them that, or, or make them yourself,
0: right? Never
3: again. <laughs> <laughs> not, not so fun. No,
0: I think I put like nine hours into making one of them, and it looked like absolute dog crap.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not very artistic, so I, I can relate there. Um. Now, like, all right. So, what about what about setups where you're taking, you know? Because I know some long just bring, uh, you know, their falcon and a dog or two. And I've seen these really nice setups in the back of a truck, where they'll have everything in the back of like a Tacoma or, or you know, just I mean, any kind I of hunting mean, any truck.
0: Any falconry meet you go to, you'll see fifteen to thirty Tacomas with camper shells, with a two-hole dog box, with essentially it looks like a handrail with carpet or turf on it and there'll be like two to four falcons on that in the back with the dogs okay
3: and th- are th- those are generally hooded or those are all gonna be
0: hooded. okay and
3: they just ride in the back on this little rail
0: huh yeah it's like a, a fence post with some perching material on it essentially
3: yeah that's that like astro's turf stuff like the stuff where you see like an rv you know set up where somebody would like roll out the little fake grass carpet you know yeah i mean i've seen them use
0: everything like Chingrins has like it looks like a persian rug on it that's fancy
3: there you go now, now you know you're making real money when, you, when you're when you're when your birds sit on a persian rug that's uh that's kind of fancy um huh none of these are actually hunted out of this is all just transportation i guess right i mean um, getting getting the bird to to the field so that you can, you know, then take them out and take them hunting. Right? Yeah. The only one of the few I've seen where it's hunted out of uh, what's his
0: name? Uh, Sean Derrick. He's got a ATV with a, an alum line dog box, but two of the dog box holes were converted into uh like bird boxes. So there's perches in there, so you can transport two birds and pile of beagles.
3: So it kind of looks just like a single dog box or something with like a perch at the bottom third or something like a baseball bat size. I guess, you dowel. Could, yeah. I guess you
0: could talk about the uh, the cages they use on the moors in Europe. Catch, huh? It looks like a, a big square wooden table with a hollow middle where they put like six, ten falcons on it and some unlucky peasant carries it for all these peoples uh, who are going to fly their birds because they can't drive out across those moors that they hunt uh, red grouse on or willow ptarmigan.
3: Okay. So hold on. Let let me, let me, let me fact check this with you. I've heard before that that's actually where the term caddy came from was cash. Have you, have you heard that?
0: I'm going to look. All right, well, we're going to – I don't got a Jamie, so i got to look it up. All right,
3: let's let's check it out. (laughs) But what he's saying with the cash is, you know, it'll be, you know, just a two-by-four frame, just like you were to frame out a wall. It's just maybe two feet in the front and two feet in the back with, like, three feet going down either side. And there might be – you actually stand in the center of this, and there might be some suspenders going from the front to the back so that you, you know, have something to help – help you hold this up and he's saying back in the day or even maybe sometimes now you have an an unlucky fellow that would you know put this system on and kind of balance two or three birds in the front two or three in the back and then they'd have hoods on and they'd be tied to this this unit and then they go walking out through the middle of this field yeah and uh no you are right the term caddy
0: comes from the person carrying falcons on a cadge
3: Because I kind of get, you know, I've always seen this, this, this idea about, you know, the golfers. Now you have like, let's just say Tiger Woods or whoever, you know, he's wanting to golf this next hole and you got the caddy with, you know, his set of clubs, right? They used to call
0: them cadgers. they were usually older falconers who carried the birds
3: on the cadge. Huh. Yeah. So so Tiger Woods comes up to do this next hole, and he may look to his caddy and say, hey, man, what do you recommend? You know this field the best. You know, he's like, I recommend the nine iron or whatever. And he even takes the club out of the the little club box, you know, like the the bag. Yeah, the golf bag. bag. Takes the hood off, right, the little hood on the golf club, and then hands the club to the golfer. And I guess it's kind of similar, right, to, like, how the cash with falconry is used, like, the nobility would be riding his horse, and he'd have some peasant guy carrying all his birds who'd probably know the field really well, and he'd make recommendations right like oh this this there's some grouse here this would be a good spot for the long wing or something right, and then take the hood off and hand it up to his nobility i don't know, maybe I'm thinking too much into it, but there's a lot of similarities, you know. Yeah. I mean, well, it says, it says it was the older
0: falconers. So maybe they were giving advice to the young falconers. Right. Hey, don't, don't flush right now. Wait till your bird's more overhead. Yeah. Your dog's a piece of junk. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Cash, I I totally forgot about those. Yeah. That's, that's Um, me. So, I mean, so back, back to the, the, that other question we were talking about, like that's, it's mainly transport to get out to the field. Even this cash, this is like transport off-roading. That's at that point, it's somebody's packing around a bunch of birds on foot so that you can go out for the day because you you can't drive a vehicle out there in the moors. I guess it's all soggy out there, right? It's just wet, very wet, very swampy. Okay. okay. I, I've and it's I, pristine habitat. Like if you were to drive across it, you'd ruin it. Okay. Okay. Uh, can you think of anything that they use while hunting? Any kind of like because I'm trying to draw parallels with the way we hunt the you know like if I'm rigging my my bear hounds they're all they all have their heads stuck out of the dog box
0: I mean there's people that roll side by side doing abatement with perches on top
3: and the birds free without a hood just riding on the rig just yeah they come in I mean like look at wool and stuff uh, okay and you say abatement so that's that's getting rid of like nuisance birds at like a farm or something or yeah like blueberries cherries um, I've personally done grapes.
0: Um I I did it out of a an SUV, but right. Uh Harris Hawkers roll around with tea perches carrying around two, three Harris Hawks at a time in a field. What's a tea perch? Exactly. It's like a, it's like a painter's pole with a piece of PVC pipe on the end that's parallel to the ground with some turf on it. So just a big, long stick you hold up in the air for the bird to sit on? Yeah, and you're giving birds elevation, um, and you're allowing two to three birds to be perched on the same surface, whereas I don't know about you, but I'm not fitting three Harris Hawks on my left hand while I'm hunting. <laughs> no. Nor do I want to.
3: No, that could get heavy. So you stuff them all up there. They all ride, and you kind of just hold the stick up in the air, and you walk around, and your dog flushes a rabbit. and Yeah, you kind of march around like a guide-on bearer. Okay. And they all just explode off of there and, and start chasing. Yeah, explode as much as a hair Right, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um, huh. All right. Oh, I, I really didn't. I guess I didn't. Can't really think of any other ways they hunt with them. It's the the glove, right? I mean, that's. They're either up in the air on their own, flying around looking for something to catch, or they're on like a tea perch. And we talked about, you know, how like some some side by sides might have a, you know, a perching setup on top of them, um, but like with your with your uh, goshawk uh, hash brown, he mainly hunted off the the glove. I mean, that was your hunting rig for him more than anything it was just your glove, right?
0: Yep, my left hand, right. <laughs> um, and what did he weigh? He weighed he was about six hundred and fifty grams, which Sounds like nothing, but uh, you extend your left arm out as high as you can and as far as you can with a 650 gram weight and then walk 12 miles a day right chasing your chasing your dogs going uphill downhill and anytime you fall, you keep that left hand steady like a waitress carrying drinks or <laughs> a waiter carrying your food mm-hmm. um, I, that's where I'm not envious of eagle people at all. I don't want to carry a nine-pound
3: eagle. Yeah, because that's that's their that's their hunting rig. Is again back to the same left hand. What do they weigh? Like ten pounds? They're Males old. are like nine, and the females are like fourteen. Okay, so you got like a fourteen-pound weight. Can you
0: imagine carrying, a, holding a fourteen-pound dumbbell out extended?
3: You know, so ninety degrees out from your body, almost like you got your, your arms spread out like your wings. Yeah, and if you hold it close, you're gonna get. Whacked in the face of
0: a wing when they leave the glove, <laughs>
3: so you got to hold it way out there,
0: and then they don't want you just bouncing them around either. You got to kind of. No, yeah, it's. I mean, Hash Brown. I mean, he would he'd get salty if I was not a stable
3: gyro for him to ride on. So, so it's not. So, okay, so I'm wrong. It's not the glove. It's it's you. Yeah, you are the hunting rig. Your your feet are the suspension system. The you know the. <laughs> The dog box, more or less, is your glove because yeah, you, you can't up get away and down from
0: hills, that. but your arm stays at the same
3: height, stable. I got this new image in my head that you're rigging, rigging for quail from now on. <laughs> when you put your falcon, your you know your your goshawk on your glove and walk around, you're, you're gonna be my goss is
0: riding the rigging
3: rails. So. Yeah, riding the rigging rails, man. I... <laughs>
0: I mean, you guys had me and you be riding the rigging rails the other night.
3: Yeah. Yeah. We were out looking for coyotes, uh, you know, trying to decoy in some coyotes it's cold
0: and slippery up there.
3: It, it is, it is, but we didn't clip you in. We thought you knew what you were doing. We didn't clip the in. So <laughs> well, next time we'll, we'll, we we'll clip you in. So you don't, <laughs> so we don't dump you off. Um, but yeah, I, well, I mean, I can't, I can't really think of anything else with them. Um, uh, that's, that's, that's the main thing, I guess. I guess just break it down for us. What what exactly are you looking for with a hawk box? Because that's what you would imagine most people today, most falconers today.
0: You want sturdy, light, easy to clean, no texture, no porous surfaces.
3: Um, you want dark, and that's just for sanitation, so that it's easier to like spray out with yeah, bleach you, or whatever to You don't
0: want to get in there and have to scrub. So like a smooth powder coated box where you can just pressure wash it clean. Um, you want it dark, but you want it ventilated. You want it to stay cool, but you don't want it to be heavy. It's 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 an art. I mean, people mail- bailed them from everything from hefty trash or not hefty brute trash cans to chloroplast to aluminum. I've seen welded plastic PVC ones. I've seen uh, I've seen steel ones, which I don't recommend. Uh,
3: aluminum. And chloroplast, that's that like – so it's political. like corrugated plastic, like the vote for Pedro signs or Yeah, more. all the political signs. Okay, those are – all right, that's chloroplast. So you just cut those to fit, fold them over, glue them together, and they're like super light then, right? Exactly. They just blow away in the wind with the bird inside if you're not paying attention, though. I'm yeah, just... they just tend to be kind of flimsy um, <laughs> good.
0: I've got a nice aluminum one that's powder-coated.
3: All right, so sanitation, you know, like, you know, we want to be able to spray it out and keep it clean so the bird doesn't get sick, but at the same time, just ease of cleaning, you know, Um, relatively dark, you know, I know some of them let in more light than others. I know some people are like, die hard, keep all the light out. Um, I know you're, didn't the force boxes that you used have little light admittance holes where they weren't seeing the light
0: directly, but like. I always wanted one, but I never and I was never bougie enough to drop nine hundred dollars on one. My roommate had one and yeah, it had like a it had like a drop in door. And then when you lifted it, there was like vertical bars and
3: like it looked like a little prison. Again, just like the dog boxes, I guess, you know. So if it's yeah, if it's lion season, you're way up, you know, you're trying to get to the mountain, you slide in a little panel to block it off, and when you get there you you slide that out and and they can see and smell, but you know, can't get out. Huh. And then I temperature. I know that's super big for us with the dogs, you know, like keeping them, keeping them warm. So like, you know, trying to prevent heat from getting in or ventilation fans, right? Same, same, same. There we we don't really have very many of those in hound rigs, but I've seen some in transport boxes where they have little ventilation fans, right? Yeah, a lot of bird dog rigs have them. But yeah, your your hawk box has fans. Yeah. I like the fans. Then I don't have to worry about it because they get too warm, then they they panic and then they then they die. Yeah, and then that's worst case scenario. And even on the the, the softer side, if it's if it's uh, gets warm in there, then they don't lose weight like they're supposed to, and then they're gonna be fat when you get them out and try to hunt them, and they don't want to catch anything. They're not they're not hungry enough. So that's why I like the fans a whole lot. But then I've even heard of some people like plugging little AC units in there. So they'll have like a window unit in the, in the back of their truck. And then the, the ventilation side, the blowing side, they'll actually pipe into the hawk box to blow cold AC air on their birds. I've never had anything like that, uh, but uh, I've heard of it. I know some of the falcon racing people do that. You know, the people that just race their birds don't actually hunt them. Like they, they'll try and make them not – they won't freeze them. These birds actually like the cold but they'll bring down the temperature down to like 45 degrees or something like that right before they bring them out to race them. Hmm. Well, what's your favorite out of all of them? Like if you, if you could have, like if I gave you 50 grand right now to make a Hawk box, Hmm. you got any ideas? You got a fantasy box here?
0: Yeah. I'd have have like a five hole dog box on the back of the truck. And then the one spot where a Hawk box slid in and clicked in.
3: Okay. So you could take it off and put it back. So
0: okay. I can take it in and out, but then it's on the exterior of the truck. And then I'd want like an infrared camera so that I could see what the hell's going on while I'm driving down the highway. Okay. Cause it's going
3: to be dark in there. I yeah. get it now. So you're going to see the heat.
0: Well, or, you know, I, I can see in the dark and then, mm-hmm. yeah, that would be my ideal. Cause I mean, that's, that's my biggest concern, honestly, is traveling with a hawk is the biggest pain in the rear um, as opposed to, like, the dogs, man. You stuff them in some dog boxes and go. Whereas a hawk, I mean, they, they only want to be in that box for so long. Some, some of them, at least goss hawks. Not many caves yeah. in the natu- in their natural environment. Right? Yeah, whereas, like, a Harris <laughs> hawk, like, I had one named Zula for six, seven years. She... She would live in the box if you let her, but Hash Brown, I mean, six to eight hours, he was starting to do cartwheels. Like you want to kill some
3: stuff. And then that's bad, not just because they're bouncing around, but then they get their feathers in the poop or, or break a feather, right? Or, yeah. They'll
0: break a feather. They get poop on them and you're trying to take nice pictures of this bird and it's got crap on it. And and then when they come out of the box after they've been bouncing around, they're in like the worst mood ever and mood matters with a bird and they're unlike dogs. They, you get a pissed off bird when you roll into where you're about to hunt. It is it is not going to perform how you think it's going to
3: perform. <laughs> um, well, uh, so, okay. So click in and out on the outside of the box in an infrared camera. Can't come up with anything fancy. You don't like that AC system we talked about earlier. Exhaust maybe? Fan. AC kind of worries me. That's, I don't know, moisture. Oh hey, there you go. I never considered that. You don't like the moisture. They like dry. They like dry asper grows in humid environments. And that's a asper. That's a sickness the birds can get, right? Yeah,
0: aspergillosis or oh, I pronounced that wrong. But it's basically something that grows in moist air that will kill a hawk. Um, it will never really bother humans, it won't bother dogs too much, but it will kill a hawk.
3: There's like a like a mold or a mildew kinda. they inhale the spores and they just yeah it's over for them they stop eating they get fluid
0: in their lungs and then they aspirate and die
3: so a lot of it's pretty similar you know temperature regulation you know you don't want it too hot for your dogs the birds uh ventilation you know um and uh just keep them contained keep them safe don't let them Don't mash toes. Don't want to bounce around too much and hurt themselves. So, yeah, it's it's all pretty much similar, pretty much the same thing. You got T-perches or yourself for the hunting rig when you're actually out in the field. Um, But, yeah, all right. Well, I mean, are we missing anything? I mean, that that's just about everything I can think of. I think we've about covered it all. I
0: mean, uh, the stuff I've seen in the Middle East where they converted entire Tahoe's. So that when you open up the bat well, actually you don't open up the back, the back opens up automatically. Two long cadges with like twelve falcons per side come come rolling out. And then the person who owns the Falcons comes rolling up in like a, a Lexus or <laughs> Yeah. That's about it. That's those that are the craziest setups. They've got a Bentley that's made specific to Falconers. Really? Yeah, they have that Falconer Bentley where there's a perch built into the back. So
3: hold on, this is stock. Like, Bentley makes it. This isn't like Bentley makes it, so like Bentley it, makes it and Bentley. it goes off to some aftermarket shop. No, it shot. is a legitimate Bentley trim package. Hmm.
0: Comes That's with, neat. It <laughs> comes with, like, a machined perch from the back. Uh, I think it has, like, a air conditioner. Or not air conditioner. I think it's got a built-in little freezer for Hawk food or Falcon food.
3: Yeah, um... That's super fancy. And I've even oh, okay. Here, one more. I've even seen where they have uh, some people that actually over in the Middle East. Now that we're talking about that, actually hunt from camelback. You know, and they'll they'll have the bird on their glove, but then they'll actually have a dog box like strapped to the side of a camel, right? Yeah. And I've seen that with like the the sight hound falcon type operation where they'll be on camelback and then either get to the area they're wanting to hunt that they can't get there in vehicle. They, or don't, they get there in camel <laughs> and then kick the dog loose and get the rabbit up and going And then, and then, and then cut the falcon loose, right? Yeah. So when are you getting a camel? Never. I would like to see you hunt from camelback. Have you ever priced a camel? Uh, i would rather, i generally do it five or six times a year but i haven't priced camels this year we're like, like
0: 17 grand is that right i'd rather buy a suzuki samurai
3: <laughs> or a horse uh huh. camel camel camel
0: horse trailer with some living quarters you
3: don't have to pack water with a camel i guess right yeah i'm good man. yeah <laughs> well all right man thanks for breaking it all down for us uh uh, it was good talking. I think we brought up a lot of good points. I learned some new stuff. That was exciting. Um, but uh, thanks for thanks for coming by and sharing, you know, sharing your knowledge with us on uh, birds of all types and uh, how to get them to the field and, and, and produce game. Um, well, thanks for coming and talking, man. Talk to you soon. All right, man. Thanks for having me. All right. No doubt. Well, until next time, hunt them hard and treat them like heroes. One day, I'm going to step up
2: my manliness factor and learn how to fabricate my own boxes and stuff.
1: <laughs>
3: yeah, I, th- uh, <sighs> yeah. I can puddle well, but it's a nightmare. It never looks right. So I, I mainly just try and beg somebody to help me out.
2: Yeah, that's pretty much, I mean, I got a really cool dog box, but my brother made it for me. Uh, if you think my art is bad, most <laughs> of my craftsmanship is even worse. And I don't know why. Because like my brother and my dad are beasts at building anything. You could, you could tell my brother, build me a spaceship. And all you give him is like bird seed toothpicks and chewing gum. And it's going to make it to the moon. You know what I mean? And with me, it's like, you could give me a full scale lab and you'd be like, build me a spaceship. And it would be made out of like paper mache and like wood screws and painted poorly. I don't know. I I just wish I could be a better builder. (laughs) And, yeah, yeah. I,
3: I I probably burnt all my my try out when I made, I was trying to, that, like that talk I, I said with Bruce there when I was talking about the uh the, the dump box that I made, and I just figured I'd make it a little bit, you know, try it out, see what I liked, I'd make it out of wood, and it, the first rain, everything swelled, I couldn't even open the doors anymore. And After that, I just lost all my motivation, so uh, I'm i with you. I'm with uh, you on that. You one. know
2: what? When I was hunting with my bird dog mix long ago, eight years ago, uh, I actually made a wooden release box that mounted into the window of my Toyota Tacoma, and I hunted with that for three years, and it worked really good, actually, so you know what? I'm... I'm putting myself down a little too much that beast got- worked it got better year <laughs> by year so you know what it can be it can get better and uh great interview with Tyler man that guy he is internet famous and now he is well he's been on a lot of podcasts before who am I kidding he's already mm-hmm. famous but uh what a wealth of knowledge and that guy he's a, a bird dog beast as well so yeah for- we didn't
3: even get into the bird dogs this time just yeah the, just the just the raptors but yeah. We'll save that for another time. I, I was going
2: to say there's a, there's a lot of opportunity there and we don't need to talk about Chris Powell. He's, he's yeah. already pretty well known. I'd say <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: Chad, my brother, do you got anything you'd like to add to this episode all mixed up?
3: Um, not so much. I think, uh, I think that's all in there. Uh, I'm sure I'll think of something as soon as we're done, but for now that, I think that's got you. Uh,
2: you got anything rad coming up in the pipeline?
3: Um, let's see. They got they got the uh, uh, the draught hard test. One of my dogs is is about to certify his last test, to, so that he could be he can he can breed. He's actually a draught hard. Mm-hmm. After that, that's coming up in the next few weeks. And then, if all goes well there, then they got the the arm Brewsters, the big you know Super Bowl of of Drodhar's test coming up a few weeks after that. And that's going and it's about time to start knocking the dust off the hounds and and then bring the Falcon out of the box and, and start getting her weight in order so that she can run with the speed dogs after some rabbits. And that's, that's about it for now. I'm just ready for the dude, heat to me be too. gone. So Ugh. we can get out there and chase something, whatever Yes, it is.
2: Dude, I hate the heat right now. It is 92 right now. I hate it. I hate yeah. it.
3: Uh, but it'll be. Have you had time to get yours you know, out? No, we had one uh, cool front
2: kind of move in a little bit, and I was able to get my crew uh, out one morning, and we only had forty-five minutes to jump one, and we didn't. Couldn't find one, which is fine. Whatever. Um, our prairies mm-hmm. look unbelievable. So beautiful. So so green. We got an awesome rain. It was three inches over the course of two days about three weeks ago and the desert has just responded it is amazing it looks so beautiful out here and uh the hairs are rebounding so uh actually i'm looking out my window right now as we record this and a hare just i think walked into my five acre pen nope i think he's on the outside of the fence either way my dogs are all watching (laughs) him closely right now out the window (laughs) (laughs) i figure if he comes in that yard we will turn out so uh, my dogs just yeah. keep coming up lame in my yard. I don't know what's going on. They're just getting frisky and crazy. So gotta. I guess it's a good thing I'll let everyone kind of heal up and kind of go from there. So
3: clean all the cobwebs yeah, out. Yeah, they're they're not
2: fat, but they could get a little harder. You know what I mean. So anyway, yeah. For as far as my world, nope, nothing but getting ready and and kind of at the the last of the season, teeth grinding last of the summer i guess teeth grinding getting ready working on my buggy and getting everything going so everybody that tuned in thank you so much you guys all mixed up is coming coming at you once a month and uh it's been a blast to, to produce this it's it. i just love the variability we can talk about anything we want and i like to bring it well all mixed up you know what i mean i, I i'm a guy with many interests and i like to talk about stuff that i've never done or heard about so i hope you all are enjoying it and uh Leave a comment, uh, go to Houndsman XP at Apple and leave us Apple podcast and leave us a five star review. If you guys do screenshot that and submit it to us on social media or email it to us and uh, you guys will be put in for a drawing. Well, you guys have heard the closeout for Houndsman XP a million times, but we're going to we're going to mix it up yet again. We're going to change up this closeout. out. Uh, Chad came up with a pretty good one from reading one of his books and I like it. So Chad, why don't you close this out, brother?
3: until next time let's work them hard and treat them like heroes love it that's from a great book by the way who is that by david Harcombe. it's a terrier book there it is guys go On check it out Terriers over in europe
2: there you go hey we'll see you all next month and i look forward to it until then guys see ya